is good. We're in Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. Give you a little bit of what this is about up on Facebook here earlier today. But here in verse 19, he says, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things which are Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. So he wants to send Timothy to him. But the thing we wanted to focus on here, most incredible, is that he says, For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. Now think of the power of this statement. Who does Paul have at his disposal? He has Luke. How many of you think Luke is a pretty, pretty good guy to, to have about? I would say so. We looked at, uh, some weeks ago, we looked at all the d- different people that were instrumental in Paul's life. We have, uh, even in this episode right here, he's going to talk about Epaphroditus. And we have, we have others. These were instrumental to Titus, who went down into a place and brought order into a place where there was total chaos. And yet, of all the people that Paul has at his disposal, he says, I have no one like-minded except Timothy. I mean, that, could you imagine if one of the other guys is reading this? <laughs> now, do remember this. With Paul, Paul dictates his letters. So he's dictating it to somebody. And he says to that person who he's dictating to, I have no one <laughs> like-minded like Timothy. Hmm. Now, this word for like-minded is only used here. So, it's kind of tough to compare it. But in the English, we have the same concept put out in a few other, few other places. And that's in Philippians 2, verse 4. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest. I'm sorry, that's, that's, uh, we have it down in uh, Romans 15, 5. Now, may the God of patience and comfort grant to you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus. And in Philippians 2 and verse 2, Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. So here he talks to these, these folks about being like-minded toward one another. But Paul himself says, There's only one person that I have in ministry who is like-minded as myself. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. Then he goes on, for all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ. Now remember, we're not just talking about the average run-of-the-mill Christian, new believer, anything like that. We're talking about seasoned ministers. And he is saying this, for all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. Is he talking about Titus? Is he talking about Luke? <laughs> We're not talking about shabby people here. Are we, is he talking about people that he considers to be valuable in ministry? Are we talking about people that he finds useful in ministry? Are we talking about people who have been successful in ministry? And yet, here's what he says about them. For all seek their own, 
not the things which are Christ Jesus. So of all the people that he has ministering in his company, he says, only Timothy is like-minded as myself and that we don't seek our own. Now, Paul, you can certainly see this because how many people take a beating for someone else and then go back and do it again and then go back in that same city to minister some more? There aren't too many people who do it. Most of us, if we get abused in the area of ministry, we're out of there. <laughs> right? We're gone. Why? Because we seek our own. What we have to understand is what Paul is saying here is there are a lot of successful and useful ministers who still have a bit of self-seeking involved in their life. They do not just seek the things of Christ. They still have a little bit of seeking of their own things. It doesn't stop them from being useful, but it does stop them from being as useful. When Paul needs to send someone dynamic into a situation... He's going to send Timothy. Because he says, I have no one like-minded in these things. So he's like-minded. And actually the Greek, I'm told, means equal-souled. Since he's like-minded in sincere care, not seeking his own, but seeks the things of Christ. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Now, it's not wrong to seek after your own interests. He's already taught us that. Seek after the interests of others, though, as well. And this is where we can fall short. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. Do all things without complaining and, dis- and disputing. Why do we fall into complaint and dispute? <laughs> Generally because it's, we're, we're self-seeking, right? Something I wanted isn't being done. And because I wanted it to be done a certain way and it wasn't done a certain way, Well, I start to complain and dispute and and things of that nature. Why was Israel complaining in the the wilderness? Because our needs are not being met. Because we don't like how it's going. There's something about this we're not happy with. And um, I tell you what, we've got to toughen up a little bit. When Paul was in prison for the final time, he was getting ready to be killed. Who was it that he asked to be with him? Timothy. Hmm. Second Timothy, he writes to him. He wants another time to be able to hang out with Timothy because Timothy was like-minded and this ministered to, to Paul greatly. Because he didn't seek after the things for himself. That doesn't mean he didn't take care of himself. You can take care of yourself. You can do things for yourself. But he didn't seek after his own. An example, we can see this in the, in the things of Jesus. Jesus saw his disciples were ministering a while. John the Baptist, they just got the news that he had died. And so they said, guys, we need, we need to go away. And so he tried to pull his disciples out to a secluded place. But the multitude saw. And when they saw where he was going... They all headed out there. And when he got there with his disciples are looking for rest and relaxation and just the time to uh, recover from this news of John being killed, here come the multitudes. And what do they do? Set out to minister to the needs. 
Couldn't have been an easy thing. But they set out to do it. They weren't self-seeking. Now, I don't know how much of the disciples went along without grumbling and complaining. <laughs> there probably was some of that with, with a, at least a few of them. But Jesus right out there and, and took care of it. We have to get this mindset in us. We can be effective. We can be useful in the ministry and still be self-seeking. But it will hold you back. And don't think that just because there is success in what it is that you do in ministry that you have reached a place of not being self-seeking. Because that's not true. We can be successful and still be self-seeking. And this should also help you when you find certain people in ministry and you can find, there's a whole lot of self-seeking going on with that person. How can they be successful? Well, in Paul's day, he only knew of one minister, one, who was not self-seeking. That's something. And Paul got around. He wasn't just around Israel and Jerusalem. He got around. He was all over the place. He only found one. What kind of things do we need to be do to take care of ourselves in that area? We'll get more into that as we get here to the end. But He talks about his proven character. But you have known his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. Now, he's already built, him up, built up Timothy, said how good he was, and he was there ministering with him. And despite how much benefit it was for Paul to have Timothy with him, he still says, I'm going to send you. Did that fall? Or did I not put it on? Thank you. <laughs> so he's going to send out his most cherished minister away from him to do some things and to help some. now who's, who's going to suffer for that well Paul does see sometimes people that are very close to us we have to alright well you go over here and, and you do that and I'll go over here and, and I'll do that and you know you, you try and help each other out you know it's uh it's it can be kind of tough you know if you got a you're in a in a job and you have multi-levels to that one two three seven ten different floors and you have a real good partner on the tenth floor and they need them down on the sixth and you see it's going to benefit the company if they go down there on the sixth but you're not going to have them on the tenth floor anymore they're still going to be around but they're not going to be with you on the 10th floor anymore. You may just want to say, no, 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 you need to stay here. I don't want to be around all those other people. I need, I need you. I can depend on you. And we, uh, we sometimes want to hang on to those things that are important to us. Why? Sometimes it's because we're a little self-seeking. Now, Paul says, I need Timothy right here. Maybe there's something that they're doing. And Timothy's particular skills are needed to benefit the people, not just benefit Paul. But as soon as that is accomplished, he's going to send them. I'm going to send him right on out there. But you know his proven character. That as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. 
Now, it's just kind of a general way for saying, I really want to come. I'm not sure if God's going to let me come just yet. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's in the, in the um, plan for me to get there. But I sure do want to get out there with you. And have a, he had a desire to visit. So he goes on in verse 25. Yet I consider it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. Now later on in Philippines, you see that they sent him. When they, had a, they were going to send an offering, they sent it with Epaphroditus to go and to bring it to Paul. So he says, that's your... Uh, where do you put that? Yet I consider it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier, but your messenger. They had sent him. But he called him his brother, his fellow worker, and fellow soldier. That's quite a list there. It's a difference between a worker and a soldier. He was in there with them for the fight, and he was in there with them to get the job done. But your messenger and the one who ministered to my needs, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick almost unto death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Now, are we healed by the mercy of God, or are we healed by the covenant of Jesus Christ? Now, who would know this better, Paul or us? Paul would know, but we know from the Word of God that it's because of what Jesus did that we are healed. So, it's because of the covenant that we are healed. But that's not how he describes it here, is it? He says, according to the mercies. Now, why is it that Epaphroditus, who is a minister on Paul's team, needs the mercy of God to be healed. Something's going on, isn't it? Something's going on. It's not right. Now, I'm not going to leave you a mystery. We're going to find out what it is. He's only mentioned a couple times in the Word of God, but we can find out what it is. But your messenger and the one who ministered to my need since he was longing for you all and was distressed because, he, because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed, he was sick almost to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him also, but on me. Lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I sent him the more eagerly, that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. So he's sending them to him. So they've heard that he was sick, but that he got better. But they kind of want to see him. Have you ever had that? Somebody, you, know, you heard they were sick? Almost died. Real close. Real close. To you, real important to you. And you heard that they were okay, but you still want to see them. You still want to get out there and see them. That's what they're, they're going through here. So he's going to send them. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness and hold such men in esteem. Hold such men in esteem. How many people seek their own? All, except Timothy. So would that include Epaphroditus? Yeah, and what's Paul say to do with him? Hold him in high esteem. <laughs> Isn't it tough for you when you see somebody in the ministry who you can see a little bit of their selfishness come out? 
doesn't kind of lower their esteem in your eyes? Hold them in high esteem. I tell you what, I've had that. I've had some ministers and, you know, you really enjoy this and that and the other thing and then all of a sudden, their flesh comes out. Things, things are said. Things are done. They're not seeking after the kingdom here. They're seeking after their own. And it can throw you. I've seen it done by people far more well-known than I am. I'm a little shocked at some of the stuff that I saw. But you still got to hold them in high esteem, right? That's what he says here. Hold such men in, in esteem. Now, he almost died. Why did he almost die? Because for the work of Christ, he came close to death. Not regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service towards me. Now, let me paraphrase that for you so you can understand this a little bit better. There are people in ministry who are not pulling their fair share. Who are not doing what they should be doing. So, Epaphroditus saw that and he stepped out of the areas where he was supposed to be ministering to make up for what other people weren't doing. And doing what he was supposed to do. And as a result of that, he worked himself nearly to death. But God had mercy on him. Can you see where God would have had to have mercy on him? Yes. He did some stuff he wasn't supposed to do. See, sometimes we think that in the ministry, the rules are off. That because I'm working hard, <laughs> this should be good. Sometimes we're working hard, but we're keeping other people from growing. We're keeping other people from doing what they're supposed to be doing. But I'm working hard. Sometimes you've got to sit back and, and let people fail. Let something not get done. Let people see they need to step up. And apparently, Paphroditus was having a hard time with that. Because he would see something not being done. And what did he do? I can do it. I can do it. And it's not good to work yourself to the bone like that. That's not, he would have died except for the mercy of God. So apparently, getting healed of whatever it was that he was dying from, don't know what it was. He may, you know, cause his immune system to be compromised and might be some sickness or disease that got a hold of him. It might be something that just wore out his body. Whatever it was. I don't know what it was. He doesn't say what it was. I don't know any place to find that out. But what we do know is it was related to the fact that he was working hard and doing, making up for what other people were lacking. Now, it's not good to be on the side of the people that are not doing what they're supposed to be doing so that other people have to be doing more. And it's not good to be on the side where you're doing everybody else's stuff besides your own. That's not a good place either. Epaphroditus almost died from it. And if it were not for the mercy of God, he would have died. And then Paul says, and mercy on me too. Because he would have suffered. Because here's a good worker, he would have lost them. Not a perfect worker, but a good one. And Paul says that would have brought me sorrow. Sorrow upon sorrow. He would have been sad that this would have happened. Well, we've got to be careful. Because sometimes we're stepping outside of the areas that we're supposed to be at because somebody else hasn't, hasn't come through. And we're not letting that person develop and, and come through. Sometimes you find people, they're just not going to come along. <laughs> they're just not going to do what they're called to do. Well, God will find other people and raise them up to, to do that. But we have to be careful that we don't step out there and start doing some other things. 
that we aren't supposed to be doing. We have to, we have to watch some of that. You know, just a side thing, this is not anything to put any undue burden on me to, uh, to where I was anywhere close to being wore out. Please don't, not using the example for, for that purpose at all. But, you know, coming in here on Sunday mornings, you know, it's, it's nice when each person comes in and they have their, their, Ethel comes in and she opens. I don't think about opening. I don't have to, I don't seek after God. God, how are we supposed to open this service up? I don't mess with that. But for the last month or a little bit more than that, I've had to do the offering. Uh, it doesn't bless me to do the offering. <laughs> because it's not my, my, it's been, you know, other people, but, you know, their work schedules and such were of, of a matter that uh, it couldn't be done. So uh, Naz was in here this week and I, I told him it's so nice to have somebody who pursues the anointing to do that. I didn't pursue the anointing to do that. I just did it. <laughs> I didn't try and pursue the anointing. Or not. That's, that could get to the place where it wears, wears me out. I just got up there. Well, we'll just, we'll just do this thing. But it's so much better when people... Because, you know, sometimes Brother Naz and Brother Jolly, they would get up there and they'd start something. God would move, show them a thing and they'd start something. Move, a, a move. It's good. That's good. Did you have that? No, I wasn't seeking God after that. <laughs> I seek God on the next part. <laughs> That's the part I'm supposed to seek God for. You know, people say, did you want that song sung? I don't seek God after what songs are sung. I don't look at the list and say, God, is this the right list? I don't pay any attention to it. Because <laughs> it's not my area. I don't get wore out. I can get wore out with it. I can get wore out on what's happening in the opening, what's happening in the songs, what's happening in the offering. What's happening. I can get wore out and all that. I don't. I really don't give it any thought. Because I know where I'm supposed to give thought to. <laughs> I put all the thought into that. And just don't get wore out. But you see, if I did and I got distracted, it could wear you out. You can't be doing it. You can't, um, you know, you, you can get, get to the point where you start worrying and fretting over, over what people do in the area of ministry. They're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Well, you do what you can to light a fire under them. You know, it's a whole lot easier for me now, a whole lot easier for me now than it was 30 years ago. When people aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing, to not take it personal. Well, maybe I should have done this. Oh, I could have probably done this better. Well, what if, what if I would have done this? It's like, now anymore, I just say, no, they have to do something to do. It's not just on me. Now, I didn't learn it the easy way. I learned it the hard way. You know, I'd spend time <laughs> chasing, down, chasing down after people. I remember one time, one person in particular, they were having all kinds of life issues, all kinds of life issues, just life issues. And I spent time praying in, to God and getting direction and finding out Father God, for someone else. I don't usually do that. I did it for this one. And so I was praying, getting direction, and um, I'd share it with them. You know, I'd, I'd sought them out, had a time we got together, sat down, spit all this thing out, and um, a day, two days, I don't know, a week later, whatever it was, I would ask, follow up and says, ask them about it. It says, what do you think about that? Well, it says, um, I was praying about that, and I didn't feel that was for me. <laughs> So I ask, you know, a few more questions just to, to find out. Because if you pray about it and you don't think it's for you, that's, that's fine. You can certainly override that. Well, he, his, his praying about it was in the shower. So I went back and I said, dear Lord, I'm spending dedicated time praying in the spirit, praying for the situation, seeking after you in this. And they prayed in the shower. That was the last thing I ever sought after God for them for. They were on their own. 
Then they did not make many, many wise decisions after that either. <laughs> but, you know, that I, I didn't always learn this the easy way. I learned it sometimes the hard way that um, you can get wore out. And sometimes you, you'd keep chasing these things and, and praying for these people and, and doing things. And it's just not helping them out. So you do what God tells you to do. And you say, you've got to watch it because in the area of ministry, there are people, there are situations, there are things that are going to try and pull you out of what you're supposed to do to do something that someone else was supposed to do under the anointing. And they pull you out of what you're supposed to do under the anointing. And then we're all working in places we're not supposed to be working. We're putting time in the things we're not supposed to be doing that God has put on your heart and seek after the anointing and get yourself to the point that you seek for the good of what is going on for Christ, for the church, for the ministry, not for yourself. You're not there to try and make you look good. You're not there to try and elevate how people think about you. It has nothing to do with that at all. It has to do with seeking first the kingdom. And that's it. But I'll tell you what, it slips in real easy. And sometimes we begin to seek after ourselves. Seek after ourselves. This isn't good for me. <laughs> I don't necessarily like this. I don't... Uh, <laughs> I, I want to I go after this part over here. I like doing this. Just because you like to do it doesn't mean you're anointed to do it or you're supposed to do it. And there's sometimes you're going to be liking to do something, but it was time for you to give that up and move into something else. And we don't always, always like that. Now, we, I've, I tell, um, I have this doctor, probably the only doctor I go to on a regular basis, you know, the ones that work on your bones and line things up and, and stuff like that, and uh, having this conversation with her. And I've had this conversation many times with her. And uh, I keep telling her, you know, what else do you do besides run? I said, I don't really like to do anything else. I just like to run. And we ought to think about some cross training, some other things like that. I said, I understand that. I do understand that. I just don't like to do other stuff. I like to run. I like to run a lot. Running a lot takes up a lot of time. I don't have, if I had more time, I'd run more. <laughs> the only thing that keeps me in a 50, 55 mile uh, a week run pace is time. That's it. If I had more time, I'd be at 70. I just love to run. I like getting out there. I don't even like stretching, but I do it because I know I have to. So we've been having these, uh, these issues, and I was telling her my research and the thing, and I've had to spend time doing other things. <laughs> so I was telling her, you know, I got this, I got this DVD, this workouts for runners, it's to help us out with some of our problems that we have to keep us not being injured, and so I can get my mileage back on up. So I spent, um, pulled that, waiting for the DVD, ever wait for a DVD to get in the mail? waiting for a DVD to get in the mail for this workout. It's not here. It's not here. It's not here. It's not here. I go back to the order form. Where is it? I want to be able to track this thing. Where is this thing? And I saw this little link. You can download the PDF right here. 
downloaded the PDF, went after it, and did all these, these things. Some of them were pretty difficult for me to do because certain muscles are just not as strong as they, they should be. I've uh, got to get them stronger. And so I was working on these things and, and uh, spent 40 minutes, I think, for the first day just doing all the exercises and stuff like that. And the next day I could barely walk, <laughs> barely walk. I mean, it was a struggle, but I am going to run. I am going to, I'm going to work this whole thing out. And I did it the second day. I did it the third day. I did it uh, yesterday. I did it twice. did it in the morning. And then I found some other exercises and did it at night and uh, put those things in and just spending all kinds of time getting this thing going because my mileage is down. I don't like my mileage being down. I, I get out there and, and running. So I'm just doing all these, these things. Why? I don't like to do those things. But those things help me to do the thing that I need to do or the thing that I want to do. Just because you like to do a thing does not mean you're anointed to do it or that you should be doing it. John Maxwell who used to share with us in some of the, I love him on leadership things. He would talk to us about some of his church things. And one of the things he was doing was a new members class. Loved doing it. It was one of his favorite things to do was a new members class. He liked it because he got to, to interact with the new members and get to, to learn about them. And he liked putting his passion about this whole thing over there. And some of the staff came to him and says, you know, you need to give this up. It's holding you back from doing this and this and this. And you need to let other people take this up. And he said eventually he, he did listen to them and he gave it up. And it did work better. <laughs> but it wasn't what he wanted to do. It wasn't what he liked to do. Sometimes, folks... We've got to learn that in, in the area of ministry. There's a lot of things we would like to do. One of the things I like to do in ministry is be busy. I like it. I liked it. You know, when I was an assistant pastor, I was running around taking care of all kinds of stuff. Taking care of this problem, fixing this thing over here, checking this thing over here. I loved it. Oh, I just, mm, this is good. I was, I was having fun with that. But you see, if I go around and do that now, there's problems. So I've learned to, I have to, Stop doing some of those things that I love to do in order to do the things that I need to do. What is it that you need to do? What is it that you love to do? Is it what God's called you to do? Are you ministering in those areas where he's anointed you? Are you holding back somebody else from doing the things that they're supposed to be doing? These are the questions we have to ask, and we have to ask constantly. Because, you know, I've, when I was the assistant pastor, youth pastor at a church for, for a while, I loved youth pastoring. Loved it. Re- looked forward to youth pastoring nights more than assistant pastoring times when I was in the church. Far more. But I, I saw things begin to change on the inside, and, and God was showing me, you need to let this go. You train people up. Let them do it, and you focus in on this thing. I finally listened and, and did it. And um, sometimes we have to be ready for that. doesn't mean just because you're doing something that you have to move on from it. You've got to listen to God. You've got to hear what he has to say. He's the one who's going to tell you. But this guy, he became sick to the point of death because or, for, the, for the work of Christ. For the work of Christ. He had no regard for his life. Just wanted to supply what was lacking. 
He saw that Paul needed some things. And doggone, if you need them, I am going to supply them. And he worked to do it. And nearly put himself in the grave. Now we see this in the, in the Old Testament. One of the most glaring examples is with Moses. Moses sat up in the morning to judge the people. All night Jethro finally, he came on down, he saw that. He says, this thing that you're doing is not good. He says, you will wear you out and you're going to wear the people out. And then what will happen? We have to understand. It's important that you don't wear yourself out. It's important that you don't. Let's take a look at 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 1. Paul's describing Philippi. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain, but even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. For our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak for covetousness, God is witness. We didn't come in there trying to be flattering, trying to do things, and and we're trying to covet after this, but put it under a veil. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands on as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children, so affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil for laboring night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you, we preach to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believed. As you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children, that you should walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So he describes how he had left Philippi, how he had come over there to the Thessalonians and came and ministered, not seeking after the things that would benefit him, but seeking after the things that would benefit the whole. And if you were here for the end times class, we saw for those in in Thessalonica, he even said, uh, some of you guys are lazy. Now you saw me and I was not lazy there with you all. You shouldn't be lazy either. He did it because God told him. Now this is the way you need to conduct yourselves in Thessalonica. It's important that they see this particular thing. Paul doesn't know that at the time he's doing it, but he follows after what God says. He's not self-seeking. He's seeking the good of the kingdom. You will have plenty of times when people will test that, when people will try and get you to be self-seeking, when people will try and get you to do things from guilt, from a motivation that's not for the good of the kingdom. Just because something needs to be done for somebody doesn't mean you're the one to do it. How many times, have we, we only saw a few times of this in the Word of God, but Jesus, people are calling out, you know, have mercy on me, have mercy on me. And the one woman, he wouldn't even give her the time of day. Wouldn't even answer a question. But when he saw that she was in faith and she made a faith statement, 
He answered that because he could answer faith. So listen to the voice of God. Keep yourself from seeking after the things that do you good. And look for the things that bring the glory to the kingdom. These are, these are important. So, these areas of motivation. Seek the things of Christ. Now, there are some things that can benefit both. Benefit uh, Christ and benefit you. That's good. But that's not always the way it's going to be. Sometimes you're going to find that some, some things benefit one completely or mostly. If that's you... Maybe we ought to rethink that. If it's God, it doesn't really benefit me a whole lot here, but it benefits God, well, we can do it. Because we're not seeking our own, we're seeking Him. It's a tough place to get to. And understand the magnitude of what Paul says. Of all the people that he trained up, of all the people that sat under Paul, of all the people who had Paul as a mentor, only one of them was completely in the place of not self-seeking and sought after the kingdom of God. Only one. Didn't mean the other ones weren't useful. It doesn't mean you won't be useful. But you've got to get rid of the, the self-seeking part. And depending upon where you are in your walk, sometimes it's real easy for, for people to see this. Sometimes it's not. Young Christians, it's real easy to, to show them even Christians have been Christians for a while. If they've never grown any, it's easy to show them as well. But it gets tougher as you go along. As you grow in the things of ministry. There was one particular guy. I knew he'd been saved for many, many years. We're not talking two or three. We're talking many. Ten, twenty, area, some area like that. But was constantly self-seeking. Every time you had a conversation with this particular individual, it was always about them. And as I began to realize this more, I began to steer more conversations into the area to just see if he would ask any questions about what somebody else was going through. He wouldn't. He'd just keep going, going back. And, and that. so one time, I, uh, I hit him with a, two times he could go in a direction to ask questions about something else. And he didn't. He kept, oh, that reminds me of a story about me. <laughs> you know, and tell the story about them. And so um, I just smiled and listened for a little bit. And then afterwards I said to him, I said, you know, we've had this conversation going on for 20 minutes and all you've talked about is yourself. And I said, now this is normal for you. I did say that to him. This is normal for you. Now I was giving you opportunity to ask questions. That, not that I cared about telling you a story about myself. I just wanted to show you that you don't ask questions about other people. You just talk about yourself. He said, you've got to get out of that. You need to go out there. And I'm not talking about, I don't care that you, you seek after the stories from me. But other pe- I'm sure you do this with other people. And you've got to knock it off. Well, I, whether he did or not, I don't know. Because I didn't see him too much longer after that. But, you know, just letting him go on like that wasn't helping him out. <laughs> you have to sometimes be a little tough with people and, and try and straighten them out. As far as I know, their, their life had gone downhill quite uh, dramatically. And um, a lot of it was, was this. They couldn't get out of the self-seeking mode. 
We have to make sure that we, we get out of that. It's hard to find out later on as you, you go on because sometimes we think we're seeking after the kingdom, but we're actually just seeking after ourselves. But listen to the Spirit of God because the Spirit of God will expose it to you. And I'll say, that's self-seeking. And you can say, yeah, I see that. All right, let's work on that. Let's get that out. And he'll, he'll help you to do it. Here's the other one. Fulfill your calling. Have that be your motivation. To fulfill your calling. What is the calling that God gave you? Now, along the way, you were going to do some things in the area of ministry that are not in line with what you are called to do. That's fine. There's development that is there. There's development to get you ready. Look at Moses. What was Moses called to do? Deliver Israel. How long did he do that? For about 40 years. How long did he not do that? About 80. That's a long time to not do your calling. Now, for some of that, he ran from it. But he was ministering to the, the flocks and the herds. He was growing up in the house of Pharaoh. He was doing some of the things for the house of Pharaoh. This is all part of his training. All this helped him get ready. You'll see the same things with Daniel. You'll see the same things with Joseph. Joseph was called to do a certain thing, but he didn't do that right off the bat. He did other things. You know, running a prison... We would not think as training ground. Being a slave, running a house, we wouldn't think as being training ground. But God could use it as training ground. So to get you to that place where you're doing what you're called, you will probably do things that you're not called to do to get you ready for what you're called for. Just understand that will go on. That's all right. Moses was how old when he started his ministry? Somewhere around 80 years old. Yep. Doesn't mean the first 80 years was, was a wash. So fulfill your calling. Overworking, doing what others should be, puts us in a place to need mercy. Don't put yourself in a place where you need mercy. That's not good. Thank God that mercy is there when you need it. But don't put yourself in a place to need it. Now, don't be the one on the shore that needs it. Don't be one of those who's out there not doing anything. Letting other people do more than they should be or feel like they have to. And don't be one of those ones that says, but I want to do this. But I like to do this. Well, <laughs> that's all right. Let that part go. The idea here is to fulfill your calling, what God has called you to, and to be one of those who seeks the things of Christ not one who seeks your own. This is not an easy place to get to. And most of us should probably just look in the mirror and say, you're not there yet. If all these folks that Paul had under his ministry were not there yet, I would say that there's a good chance that we are not there yet either. But we can get there. If Timothy got there, if Paul got there, we can get there. It's not a thing of pride to say, well, I got there. Because how could Paul say it? <laughs> it's not a thing of pride to do that. But we've got we to gotta find out, what am I doing that I am seeking after my own and not after the good of the kingdom? What am I doing? Ask God. Remember that stuff of asking God questions? 
You ask a question like that, God's going to get you the answer. <laughs> what is it that I'm doing, Father, that I shouldn't be doing? What is it that I'm self-seeking on? What do I need to let go and seek after the things of the kingdom? Because I'll tell you, He will tell you. By the time we get to the end of life, I sure hope I can be put on that short list that Timothy and Paul were on. I'm sure Moses was on it. I'm sure you can pull out some other people in the Word of God and they were on it. We can get ourselves to that, to that place. Father, we thank you that you do help us in this life, that you set before us a goal. We can run after that goal. We can attain that goal. And you can take us from where we are and make us into the type of minister that Timothy was, that Paul was, one who did not seek after their own, but had their eyes squarely on the good of the kingdom. Thank you, Father, for the help that you always give us. You give us wisdom and insight. You open up our eyes to see things. We thank you for it in Jesus' name.